afternoon all how we're doing water bottle's not usually in shot is it let's pretend to try to be professional for a second tell you what else i'm missing my little frame i felt very naked then all of a sudden how are you doing i'm jack chew this is chewing it over and uh, usually i'm a bit slicker than that but i'm just literally bursting in off a meeting hope you can uh, hope you can hear me okay all the usual concerns that i have over that apply so do let me know in the chat if you can hear all right for those that are tuning in live as you might know it's not only did i just not have my uh, little graphic frame for those that are tuning in on video so i was missing that but also my usual 90s boy band spikes aren't present because it's getting a bit wild it's difficult to tame the hairdo and so uh, yeah you've got me all uh, all flat ready for mrs chu to, to give that a trim so before i get the heckles I uh, do notice, I haven't forgotten, it's not that I'm so sleep deprived that I uh, forgot to do me do, and uh, that is purposeful. But yeah, hope you're all all right, hope you're well, and hope you enjoyed yesterday's show. Thanks for the feedback on it, it's really cool how quickly that comes in. Um, some really good comments, uh, we do notice the comments after the fact on the social media, but also then we get uh, messages on DMs on socials, emails, and general chitter chatter, where clearly we've got your cogs turning and you weigh in on such things so thank you for that it was about gym injuries weightlifting injuries and um some of you really describing some agreement and some disagreement with my take on on the sort of um way of the you know i, I mentioned about the surprise that people have noticed um when we manage their training load and and don't break them down and tell them not to do things and basically get them to over rest some of you suggesting though um and uh, yeah three or four people getting in touch saying i do not think it's more the medics slowing people down and then the therapist bringing people back up and stuff and it's like yeah i think you're probably right but i think we have been medicalized again recently as therapists through advanced practice and triage etc and i think that to some extent um there's a therapist that sit i would identify more with medicine and then this therapist that must identify with fitness rehab that sort of side and that there probably is a bit of a wedge there which we will investigate another time but that's not what today's show is about is the is the title show is the title says staff quality and staff quantity what am i on about there so massively requested topic this um and one that came from the survey we did recently as well i think that's what i found interesting is that this is emerging from a few different places if i'm honest which is certainly staff quantity staff quality but i can't think of anything more uh, controversial and i think it's rightly so you know i think talking about staff quality should be controversial because it should be done very sensitively and it don't mean that i get it right here but it's just one that i'll admit ahead of time in case i'm considered clumsy by people that tune into this either live or after the fact if they think like well, how dare he i get it I'm not saying that i'm going to get it right but i think it'd be remiss if i didn't admit that that, that is absolutely something that i'm aware of excuse me I'm a bit snotty you see i'm a bit nasal <clears throat> I think that should be contentious. Staff quantity, you guys are always going on about. Retention and recruitment in MSK is a big issue across the board. Don't know how much that travels internationally, admittedly. I know we've got an international audience on this show, so I might be talking 
more UK based there. You know, people might be like, no, we've got a surplus of physios in the Netherlands. What are you on about? Or, you know, uh, you know, we can't, we can't, you can't move to see a, a uh, an MSK therapist of any pers persuasion in Brazil. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. Maybe this might not be relevant to you. Feel free to hang up now or, or you could tune in and just listen to our issues and, and make sure that your countries can avoid them if it doesn't apply to you. But in the UK, certainly recruitment and retention, which come, which often come together, are problems. There's a shortage of staff generally, but these particular shortages of staff in certain pockets and in certain styles of practice, which is why I talk about staff quality as well. Everyone wants the same therapist. Excuse me. I keep feeling like I'm about to cough <coughs> or sneeze. Excuse me. Um, because in staff quantity terms, right, you've got, you know, I hear conflicting reports really as to like how, how many job adverts. And then the retention thing is interesting because you've got a mobile workforce. You know, when you've got lots of job opportunities, they turn the heads of people. And there's a, an inherent inefficiency when that, happens so if this constant churn and change huge inefficiencies in the sector through no fault of anyone's don't matter how good your induction processes are or anything there is inefficiency from people working out their notice not because they down tools you know i think if anything my experience in practice in msk especially is that compared to in other sectors compared to in other industries especially in some industries people have put on gardening leave for long periods of time in until the till the last working day, I have witnessed physiotherapists do their very some of their very best work because they are care about their patients, they care about their job, they care about their colleagues, and they work bloody hard to try and hand that over. And the process of handover for them is quite exhausting. But despite that, there is an inefficiency in in, in a recruitment lag that can occur with how they hand over staff, uh, hand over patients, uh, handing over to even um, staff that have a shared philosophy with them in a good department is still inefficient compared to them continuing that care wrapping things up um is, is is difficult you always need at least a bit of time to close off your admin at least i did you know get through your, your your discharges your referrals your handovers just making sure that then you're trying to dot the i's and cross the t's and then the incoming staff needs all of the different inductions that can occur from from local to organizational and for them to just get up to speed you know, to, to know what ongoing referral options that people have, you know, let's not just, let's just go for uh, low-hanging fruit for me because it's the last sort of uh, more classically, uh, you know, especially in a chest job, right, in advanced practice. You come into an advanced practice role, whoever fills those boots, if they're, if they're not an internal appointment and someone external comes in and there's this turnover, right, and they get into position, let's say they got into position even, you know, one finishes on the Friday and one finish starts on the Monday, right? That new person to the organization, whilst going through their inductions and their mandatory training and all that sort of jazz, you're also going to have this process of them needing to understand what is available, right? How, if we need that, you know, if you need a nerve conduction study, is that through neurology or is there a uh, neurophysiologist that you need to go directly, that you can go directly to and which, which is quicker and, um, or is it neither and we can self-acquire through, our consultant or our uh, APPs. <laughs> you need to know this, you need to understand it, and you need to understand how there might be different thresholds for referral in the in your local policies and competencies. And you wanna know that. And it's just one example of many other things that make 
retention important because attrition of staff, even in a in a mobile staff base, even if there weren't recruitment issues, even if there wasn't a shortage, which which many argue, and, and certainly in certain roles, so it doesn't have to be a macro shortage, right? So for those that want to want to say that you know we we have these roles, these therapists, it's fine. You've got all sorts of different permutations of that. People wanting to drop hours and go more part time. We've got people that are, and, and then specific shortages of specific roles. And 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 classically, and we've mentioned on this show before, there's this job in band six type physio rehabber that's between uh, three and 30 years qualified right i mentioned it on social media and it got some it was contentious in some ways and we, we reflected on it for those that have seen those episodes you might feel like this is too repetitive so it was kind of that, that i got called out for why i was mentioning that it was full time at that point and stuff as if to imply that that was better quality and i wasn't it was just meaning that again the inherent efficiencies for many people and many departments that come from having those people that are are there for for those full-time hours now job shares as well as then some dispositions mean that they work brilliantly and, and if not better um some of the parts of those part-time therapists are uh, are better than than what would have been full-time for various reasons so it wasn't any sort of uh, suggestion there i'm just meaning that when we've talked about this before there are certain roles where there are big recruitment issues and, and private practice is another one it's not independent of that by the way it's kind of a same same caliber of msk clinician of all different stripes um, are being craved in private practice right now because of the various challenges that mean that people have ended up with waiting lists for the first time in their practice's history because of their demand being high and they've not got the staff to be able to serve them even if they have the real estate they have the rooms they have the beds to be able to treat them and that's that's a, a problem so you guys have been asking me to to talk about that um, fairly regularly. I've, I've done some bits on it. And, and one of the reasons I've been holding off, I mean, we had a bit of a break for opportunity over for various reasons, mainly based on my capacity and, and a few things that I told you about yesterday, making sort of uh, inroads into the sort of fitness professionals industry, as well as then some other changes, including a big MSKR reboot, which I'm excited to tell you about probably from next week. Once I first check that out with the with the staff over there at MSKR. But I've also been working with my team to analyze the survey data that we had, whereby you guys were naming it as a major problem, and then working out on what could we do as a team and what could we do as an industry to better help with that. And I've got a few ideas. One of them is that we've got we've got a recruitment site now available. And I'll tell you more about that. We're going to probably do a show more about that next week. So that then if you can trust that quality jobs are going to be posted by quality bosses and managers that care about, you know, the, the, all the things that Physio Matters and I talk about on a regular basis, then you're going to be able to trust those roles. But then also that, that if you've got jobs that you need to post and you're worried about the quality of clinician that comes into that, then you know it's it's one of the ways you can safeguard against it is that you think that it doesn't mean that we've not got naf therapists that might exist amongst our audience but it's just a funny thing especially in these days where a lot of cpds done in your own time on your own budgets and stuff is that generally speaking it's there is some soft quality assurance that comes from what you have in common you know what you're listening to what you're watching how much you aspire into an evidence-informed model of, of patient-centered care yeah, there's some assurance that comes with that that we're hearing from from many of you that have jobs to list. It's like, how do I get 
applicants for one, but then good applicants for another. Um, and getting the word out, you know, and um, and so we're going. I think we're going to be able to help with that, you know, including those that are in the in the market for a, for a new role, as well as those that have new roles that they want to advertise. We have got. If you go to physiohalfmatters.com forward slash recruitment, or just go to the homepage, click recruitment, you'll be able to see what we've got in store there, and there'll be much more about that coming soon. That's kind of the obvious and one that we we wanted to try and offer a suggestion and a solution for for how we could exert our influence on that. But then also, how can we work with this staff quality bit, which I said I admit is contentious and one that I don't I don't shy away from, but equally I don't fail to make sure I say that, you know, the, the immediate answer is like, who are you to judge staff quality? Who are you to imply that not every therapist is is is, is brilliant, clinically excellent, that sort of thing. Um, and so I, I, I don't say this lightly. But one of the things that came up in the survey is that we need to have better trust between us. We need to, you know, the friends and family test that we often ask, and, and one of the things that came back on the survey is it was actually a higher rate of inter internal trust than I usually say, but it's still a lot lower than we'd want it, um, is that interprofessionally, the equivalent in this is interprofessionally, if someone with a fa had a family member and was speaking to a family member that was a GP and said, uh, and rang them up and said, I've had this going on, I've got this going on, um, what do you think I should do? And they'd often be saying, if they couldn't manage that over the phone or, or didn't have the ability to, to, to make the internal referrals or whatever, they might say, you should go and see your GP about that, right? The, the confidence of a GP to say, go and see your GP without qualifying, you know, is your GP decent? Is your, is your GP competent? Does your GP keep up to date with, you know, basic, basic evidence-informed understanding of X issue? That, those confidence levels are typically higher because they have a, a competency base and a qualification grade that comes as standard that you can apply and assume from GPs. Doesn't mean they all trust each other implicitly at all. I'm not saying there aren't those internal risks, but there's just a consistency there, or at least a consistency of where the floor is. And that I am hearing from you. I'm hearing it from the data. It certainly suits my opinion. I think one of the things though that I have, you know, I do admit and I'm heartened by from your survey responses is that you're you're less concerned about it than me. You know, 50% 50, 50 of you, I think, or 50 plus percent of you um, really, you know, would, would be more comfortable to say when a far afield family member would say, you know, me, me, me groin hurts um, and you ask a couple of questions and it sounds like something that they need to get assessed for, you'd be confident to just say, go and see a physio. And they said, anyone in mind? And if you didn't have anyone in mind, that you'd, just be, you'd be comfortable and confident that they'd go and see one of your colleagues and, and you'd be fine with that. By the way, this would be like a, a loved family member, one that you actually wanted them to, to have, a friend or family that you wanted the best for. I hope that makes sense then, why when we're talking about staff quality, the implication that there is variety enough to not want to do that, to not want to roll that dice, implies that there is a dice that you're rolling. There is a risk. There is someone that, it's not just slightly better, slightly worse, but there's, there's someone that could give MSK advice to your loved family member or friend that would not be up to standard, up to your standard. And by that, of course, it gets a bit relativistic. But, you know, what is what is good, what is excellent, you know, based on who, how do you know that you're not full of shit and they're the one that's doing things right? You know, of course that, that happens. But the variation in practice, unwarranted clinical variation was high on the list so even though interprofessional trust 
um, as I say, you know, I got, I got, um, I was heartened by your optimism compared to mine. You're still low, <laughs> coming where you want it, lower than where you want it. But um, you, you all named unwarranted clinical variation as high on your list of, of, of issues within the MSK sector as part of our survey. And bearing in mind the limitations of the survey, um, watch that episode back if you want it all in full. Um, I just think we we do need to to have a serious think if the recruitment problem, the staff quantity issue, is only going to get fueled by the fact that there's then this considered <laughs> almost elite band of of, of uh, therapists that care deeply about functional rehabilitation that are going to do a, an appropriate triage job that aren't going to try and strengthen a tumor um or uh, or get you to to hop up and down on a stress fracture you know that have got these decent quality assessment and diagnostic skills that then have the competence and bravery to know when to when to crack on and rehabilitate and when to call for uh, to for help and support from a, a colleague interprofessionally or beyond for referral as well as then recognizing that the heart of quality MSK healthcare involves rehabilitation of scaling people's function from where they are to where they want to get to, right? Aspiring to be better and aspiring for them to be better at the task that they present saying that they're struggling to do and that anything else should be an accessory to that. Now I'm describing, of course, what I argue is, is clinically excellent MSK care and plenty of people disagree with me on that. People who um, feel that I'm underplaying the uh, measurement of someone against a biomechanical normal or implying that that, that that compared to my take on the matter think that we can make more meaningful difference to people's mechanics or tissue quality from say hands-on care acupuncture taking or other modalities you know there's people that feel that it's actually um, essential for us as therapists to use electrotherapeutic things to change people's uh, say either uh, peripheral neurology or their uh, or the tissue again, uh, based on based on these things, and, and that to focus so much on rehabilitation, you know, people challenge me on. So I, I, it's not as if I'm, I'm hidden from those arguments, you know. Um, obviously, I, I stand by my position on it, but I'm just meaning that even those people that, that I disagree with on it, that, that, that still have rehab at the heart of it, but that they consider rehab to be a, straight, a tool in their toolkit rather than the sort of uh, the toolkit. Uh, as 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 I do, and that anything else sort of supplements it, minor attachments to it where where required is how I would describe it um, on a multi tool where the actual central part of it is rehab. If I'm exhausting that metaphor, then then forgive me. I think we need to recognise that if those are few and far between, or that those are even if they're every other, every other is is like that. The staff quantity problem ends up being massive because everyone's wanting the same therapist. If the market then means that they can get paid increasingly well compared to what they were, or that the market value of those incre increases, that's a good thing. But you end up with a massive inequality issue whereby if they, if the NHS is not able to serve those those patients for whatever reason, waiting lists or otherwise, or that there's a style of care issue whereby postcode lottery as to what percentage of the of therapy gets done face to face versus 
telephone, telephone versus video, um, how much patient preference uh, is affected by that, whether or not we've been able to move the market to understand and respect our expertise wherever it might come rather than our bare hands. You know, all of that stuff we've talked about on this show before and, and, and I can signpost you to that if you feel like I'm rushing past this. But it's just that there's a few things there that mean that if people do end up going into private practice to seek care and are willing to pay out of pocket for that, like for cash payers in private practice, then it proliferates and that then if you imagine a business owner that's having to turn away business because they are not able to serve that that person that come to them and they're on a wait list can can you wait three weeks no i don't want to wait three weeks right and they've not got a therapist to be able to treat them then those pressures make that person that business owner willing to pay a therapist especially one that they can vouch for their quality and their competence far more than they would have otherwise done because right? it's still worth it to them even if they take a smaller cut right sod it what might have been an associate rate at 50 50 that's a classic especially in the uk is that you if you're an associate uh, who, who then is self-employed then i'll i'll treat the patient for 50 quid you take you take 25 i take 25 right using your facility as well as all of your brand you found the patient you paid to market them right they come in and they set 25 percent of so 25 pound of every 50 right 50 percent it makes sense, and I'm hearing increasingly that um, associates coming in, they've got patients that are already ready there to be seen on a waiting list or that are phoning up each day, and therefore the associates are, are able to charge it at 75%, and 75% sometimes of an elevated fee rate, you know? So, uh, say it used to, you know, businesses I'm hearing of that used to charge £50 a session that are now part charging £70 a session not noticing a drop off then of the of the of the, of the market force that's that they've put the prices up they've still got the same rate uh, same rate of referral or, or, or interest they then have a therapist comes in who's going to then take 50 pound of the of the 70 i know i've just got my percentages slightly mixed up there but just keep it clean for now um so so that the therapist the associate therapist is then taking that because there aren't an associate marketing costs at the moment for them it's um it's still worth it to that business owner especially for the reputation to get that flow through and so i'm hearing of associates that used to take 25 pound a session now taking 50 pound a session literally doubling their rate now it doesn't necessarily double their in-pocket pay depending on on all sorts of things including tax code but can you imagine then that that market force is, is a fascinating one if that proliferates and it don't know if it's going to sustain we don't know do we but if that sustains then that is going to be a really interesting thing that msk needs to grapple with because you've got then great therapists in the nhs and out of it that then are being drawn into roles such as that especially if they're going to be brave and be you know it's not just brave but it's like the they they, they are going to be entrepreneurial enough to realize that then if i was to self-employ and and lose some of the other protections and benefits that come from more stable say you know, pensions and holidays and, uh, and, and the, the security that comes more from that and i go self-employed i work as an associate sometimes even across a few practices that have that need me and i could literally double my hourly pay not necessarily my own pocket uh, pay but, but my hourly rate that i can charge for my labor that's going to continue at least the retention issue within core departments 
um, and and also make a massive gap between those that can do that and will do that and those that don't. And that on an hourly basis, that is going to be a concern because I've, I'm seeing that as well. You've seen therapists of, of similar uh, years' experience, arguably years, uh, or arguably as well, clinical quality that are being paid £17 an hour compared to £50 an hour. And um, not £50 an hour, sorry. No, it's about a session, isn't it? So it's like more like 80 to, to £100 an hour if they can keep busy. Um, a lot of instability compared to it. But yeah, people be, people of similar quality being paid multiples of it because of the sector of which they work. And that is going to eventually be a drag factor. I think, anyway. But it just depends on the sustainability of that. And also whether or not these are edge cases that I'm hearing or whether it's representative of a trend, I don't know yet. But I think it's interesting. And so when you guys are asking, can you talk about the recruitment issue? Can you talk about staff quantity? Can you talk about how we might do something about that? You simultaneously, if you haven't noticed that you are doing, when you email us or you post on social media about this stuff and you talk about how do we find great therapists? As soon as you put great in there, you are talking about staff quality. And as soon as there's such thing as a great therapist compared to a good therapist, compared to a poor therapist, compared to a bad therapist, you, you're making a value judgment on staff quality and you're making, a, you're making it by implication, there is then a variety of things there. And when you guys have said about cl unwarranted clinical variation, that's clearly something that uh, you guys are uh, well aware um of and are concerned about and we talk about a lot um across physio matters across the platform across therapy live and stuff as well um as well as being one of my hobby horses on uh, on chewing it up so i don't know it, it's like we definitely want to drive towards solutions on it um but you've got to get the analysis right you know we're, we're going to get the diagnosis on this right and i don't know there's, there's a lot of moving parts there I'm a bit agnostic on some of it. I'm fairly confident on other parts of it. You know, I've, I've been speaking about the fact that warranted clinical variation isn't sustainable for various reasons. But I think what's been interesting is that that hasn't then matched up, right? Your clinical quality um, problem, it's problem. Uh, you, you, those that are clinically excellent in MSK haven't then necessarily had as clean a mechanism to aspire to higher rates of pay. And, uh, and it seems to be that that's, that's emerging now, that especially if you've got that clinical clinical excellence, as well as then probably some other character traits and a life circumstance that makes you be able to take what might be a shorter term risk, you are able to then get more, whether it's whether it's still um, in keeping with what we're value, or what our actual societal value is for helping people get back to things like work and sport and life and enjoy themselves and, and functional capacity again, right? It's, it's, it's arguably, it's arguably still too low, but it's just that you're getting more for your labor. Um, I am, fascinated to see how that how that plays out and solutions wise i have yes we've got we've got where we feel we might be able to contribute in matchmaking with recruitment physio-matters.com forward slash recruitment for a look at that but then you've also got this clinical variation issue which i think only gets leveled by education by peer mentoring um by people having uh cpd resources and and characters in common and, and by that i mean like key influences for different pathologies or body parts and things like that you know it's just you should be paying attention to some of Mehmet gems work about the hip and about joe gibson's work on the shoulder and to listen to people like uh, ben cormack and, and meeks and 
Greg and, and, and those that are into biomechanics and at least having those conversations, whether you agree with them or not, or agree with their style, but people pay, paying attention to some of those characters, understanding from people like Emma Brockwell, Granny Donnelly, Elaine Miller about the intricacies and complexities that exist around your female athletes as well as your female patients from menopause to, to periods to uh, incontinence, right? Just all the stuff that we're into for clinical excellence I, I I know it seems a bit detached. You think, well, what's I've got to do with recruitment? It's like, oh, we want to raise the standard uniformly to avoid there being a massive gap between the haves and have nots within a professional base. Otherwise, it's not sustainable. And the whole thing implodes if we're constantly moving, if we're, if we're not able to create appropriately settled roles. And I'm someone that you know sees that a mobile workforce can have its massive upsides. It keeps employers of all stripes honest. It's something that has its inherent inefficiencies, which I started with. You know, uh, will become essentially wandering locums on six-month posts that we then chop and change because we can, and that is not healthy. I think for local departments and and businesses and stuff and i think it, it also doesn't do us any good as a professional reputation which obviously really care about raising the profile in society as well so there's a lot there it's been a real soapboxy episode this um and i'm kind of half sorry about that but half not um really passionate about these things i've got some suggested solutions but my diagnostic my diagnosis is still a working one so it, it varies really interested in your thoughts especially off the back of uh, your feedback from last episode more of a clinical one about weightlifting and stuff but like this this clinical and educational connotations to this as well as it being more of a sort of governance high level thing it's kind of everything that where my worlds collide as an educator as a therapist as someone that has a hand in sort of governance and and especially in commentary I find it fascinating I absolutely love your your thoughts and opinions on it so do let us know comment and, and and share this um definitely get get to posting feel free to dm me if you prefer or email info at physio-matters.com with any feedback or suggestions for future episodes i'll see you tomorrow hopefully we have a, a, a patient advocate on uh, in, in, Bern in bernadette who's going to be joining me uh, to talk about her experiences within uh, msk professions as well as then her story of having uh, struggled with with scoliosis over time um, and some of her pain experience with that and so i've been really looking forward to speaking to bernadette about that and hopefully have her on the show tomorrow just going to iron out a few things but uh, definitely excited to, to chat to her and for you to get your questions in about that as well so take care I'll see you soon